Hi, everyone, and welcome to How the Light Gets In, where we seek to have conversations that crack through the dark. I'm Haven, and I'm really happy you're here. My guest this week is another one of those holy crap, this is happening moments. <laughs> um, David Hayward, also known online as Naked Pastor. Mm-hmm. has been honestly one of like the people I look up to a lot online for years and agreed somehow to uh, do this podcast with me, which is honestly nuts to me. So thank you for being here. <laughs> oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me on your show. Yeah, of course. I just wanted to start out with um how are you doing right now how is life it's i know it's a crazy time yeah it is a crazy time 2022 was quite a quite a year um but uh i don't know it's too early to tell what this year is going to look like but i'm doing okay right now um my kids are doing good my wife's doing all right and you know we're we're hanging in there so so far so good um, you know, there's a lot happening in the world, which keeps me alert, but, um, I think right now I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. How about you? Ah, uh, doing pretty well. As you were saying, like, it's still really early in the year and yeah. crazy time. So it's for sure. Honestly, most days I'm like, what is time anyways at this point? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Yeah, um, but yeah, good. like you were saying, doing pretty well right now. So that's, that's good. <laughs> where do you, where, I live in Canada and, um, where we're pretty famous for our winters, but, um, yeah, so far it's been very mild. We haven't even had really that much snow to speak of. So, yeah. um, which is you know, kind of like that right now. So, yeah, that's a good thing. Cause I, um, of quite a few friends in Canada and I do not envy them for their winters whenever I hear yeah about weather yeah, it can be rough but so far it's been pretty good yeah so the first kind of on topic question that I had for you mm-hmm. is when did you start with your um like illustrating or like creating as a way of like just expressing the ideas that you Mm -hmm. um, have or are thinking of yeah so I've been I've been an artist my whole life like I don't ever remember not drawing and painting like my dad was a a painter on the side and Mm -hmm. um so I, I always grew up around artists and art and um I just really love art so I've I've always been painting and everything even when I was studying in college and um, getting my master's in New Testament and everything I was still painting on the side and when I was a pastor I was painting on the side but back in 2005 I started blogging nakedpastor.com but I think it was in 2006 maybe when I decided uh, there were I love a good cartoon and there were a couple of cartoonists I like to follow and um I just thought one day it just struck me, hey, why don't I try draw a cartoon? And so I 
I, I drew a cartoon um, and people liked it. And I challenged myself to try to draw a cartoon every day until I ran out of ideas. And here we are 17 years later, 18 <laughs> years later and still drawing cartoons. So um, yeah, so I, I really, I loved how they caught on and people loved them. And um, so I kept it up and here we are. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, mm -hmm. how ideas just sort of keep the more you use them the more they come I've noticed yeah. oh yeah yeah you got to keep that muscle moving mm -hmm. use it or lose it right so, exactly yeah so what what is it about that um, medium as like a cartoonist that mm -hmm. like is appealing I guess well I like I said, I, I really love a good cartoon. So mm -hmm. um, I love the New Yorker, for example, and it's one frame black and white cartoons. Mm -hmm. And um, that's sort of my my gold standard for a, a great cartoon. And uh, New Yorker, if you're listening, you know, use one of my cartoons in your <laughs> in your magazine. Uh, anyway. Um, Shameless plug. What, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I I think um, what what happened was I was I was blogging as a pastor and writing a lot and um, I when I shared my cartoons I realized I could communicate a lot in one little picture and what and you know the saying goes uh, uh, a picture's worth a thousand words and. I, I just found that, you know, you could see my cartoon in a second, one second, and get as much as you might if I'd written a 1,000 word blog post, right? And, you know, a lot of people, they don't, they don't read a lot, maybe online, you know, they might scroll through or if they get bored, or if they disagree, or they don't like it, or whatever, they'll just scroll on. But with a cartoon, it's like instantaneous. And, um, I've gotten through, you know, and uh, a lot of people like my cartoons, some people don't, but the the speed at which they communicate and the effectiveness uh, of some of my cartoons uh, just encouraged me to keep it up, you know, and, you know, I enjoy drawing anyway, I enjoy trying to convey something in a very distilled, simple way, and uh, cartoons do that for me. And I, I think other people appreciate it too, that they can get the message pretty quickly without having to read a book, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that is a really um, interesting point that I hadn't necessarily thought, thought of. Um, but uh -huh. I, with your cartoons, I do even find myself that of having to like read a whole Twitter thread or whatever. And like, eh, yeah, okay. Like I just one image and it's like, yes. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's, that's why I keep doing it. It's just a uh, very, very effective, I think, way of communicating. And, you know, sometimes they're just funny or silly or whatever, but oftentimes they're, they're, they have a point. Um, trying to convey a message or challenge something or encourage something. And mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, it, it's an effective way to get that message across. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah.
So a lot of your content that you share, your illustrations, center around the concept of deconstructing faith. Mm-hmm. And I was just curious, what was it for you personally that started that process, mm-hmm. if you can remember mm-hmm. oh, one yeah, certain thing? <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember for sure. So I was totally a Bible freak. I grew up in the a church that you know, it was Bible, Bible, Bible. And I have, I still have my Bibles from when I was a teenager. I have my interlinear Bibles all covered in colored pencil and writing in the margins and underlining. And so I went to Bible college. I got a degree in Bible and theology. Then I went to get my master's in New Testament. I studied Greek, Hebrew, Aramaic. Like I was totally, totally a Bible freak. And I wanted to become a New Testament Bible scholar. And uh, I even started my PhD at University of Toronto and, and everything. But we ended up getting pregnant, couldn't keep going in my PhD. I ended up getting ordained and serving the church. But the day I graduated from seminary, it was actually the day of our ceremony. I suddenly realized I was questioning the inspiration of scripture, that the Bible is like basically fell out of heaven, fully written, totally inspired, totally infallible, totally inerrant, no mistakes, historically accurate and true and everything. I realized I was starting to question that. And that to me was absolutely devastating because like I suggested before, everything for me hinged on the Bible. The Bible was kind of like the foundation to everything I believed. Everything I believed I thought came from the Bible. And so like the Bible was everything to me. And then when it suddenly, I I began to question it, that to me was when it actually began on that very, very afternoon. That's when my deconstruction began, but that was, you know, over 40 years ago. Mm -hmm. And so my deconstruction has just been an ongoing thing. And that's why I say deconstruction is a way of life. It's not just a, a phase. A deconstruction for me is a way of living, a way of, of life, uh, you know, where you approach life with mystery and awe and wonder and questions. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that's something that never ends. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I would concur with that, just mm-hmm. um, like kind of in the same way of, um, as you were saying with your cartoons, it just keeps going. Yeah. You have one question and it just goes and goes and goes. Yeah. Yeah. I I really do believe that. Um, I know a lot of people think deconstruction is a um, sort of a phase people go through to come to the truth, but that's, I don't think that's, that's not when I speak about deconstruction, I speak about it in a way that it's, we approach life with questions. We don't, just swallow hook, line, and sinker everything that's told to us or taught to us or that we read or hear. So we just have this sort of posture of of questions uh, toward everything. That to me is what deconstruction is. It's not just a phase to get out of um, Christianity or fundamentalism or evangelicalism and move into atheism or agnosticism or 
Buddhism or yoga or new age or whatever. For me, it's a, it's a constant way of life that never stops. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In a way, I mean, from what I hear you saying, it's kind of like not from one thing to a completely other thing. It's from one thing to mm-hmm. everything potentially. Yeah. Like why, um, you know, why, why jump into another belief system that you're only going to have to deconstruct later if you're honest with yourself, if you have any intellectual integrity. Um, So I don't recommend, a lot of people talk about reconstruction. I don't recommend it. Deconstruction for me is getting all the junk out of the way so that you can be your authentic self and be free and your your mind can be free um, to think questions and thoughts and so on and not have to constantly align itself with a belief system. So, uh, you know, why jump out of one frying pan into another one? You know, uh, for me, if you get out of the frying pan, stay out of the frying pan, be free. (laughs) You know, that's my, that's what I talk about. Yeah, completely. Kind of been touching on this a little bit. How much do you think being able to have the tool of, of illustrating how helpful is that I guess um is my question in the like process of deconstructing Mm -hmm. and questioning um Mm -hmm. to have that tool yeah um so yeah it's a good word tool um I've see when when I when I draw or I paint or something I'm mostly most of the time I'm just expressing myself Uh, It's something I'm resonating with, something that's vibrating inside of me, and I I need to draw it, I need to get it out, I need to paint it, I need to express it. If it happens to resonate with other people, that's a plus. But initially, it's for me to, you know, um, express myself and maybe even exercise some demons and, you know, some inner conflicts or questions or whatever, not literal demons, but... (laughs) Um, so for example, um, my Sophia book, um, um, the liberation of Sophia that started as me just drawing pictures of a woman in the wilderness. But after a while, I realized I was drawing my own journey out of oppressive religious control and organization and ministry and all that. And, and so for me, drawing Sophia was a uh, what's the word I want to say it's where it, you're you're cleansing yourself you're 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 purifying yourself mm-hmm. and and cleaning yourself that's what I found when I was drawing when I was drawing Sophia it was very liberating because mm-hmm. I was I was getting it out that that sense of escape mm-hmm. and liberating myself and so that's really the way it is with um all of my art it it really is me expressing myself needing to express something or exp- or you know manifest something that's going on inside of me mm-hmm. and so sometimes my cartoons are are angry sometimes they're happy sometimes they're frustrated sometimes they're about justice sometimes they're about peace you know love hate you know all those things i'm needing to get those things out that's why I call myself the naked pastor is basically me being authentic and real and honest and uh, exposing myself mm-hmm. in a sense. 
um, spiritually speaking. And, mm-hmm. and, and I think my art does that. Yeah, absolutely. And I can relate for sure to that. I write stories um, myself and that right. it does do that. Just like whatever the feeling of yourself is at time, it's catharsis really to be able to um, get that out and like hopefully other people will relate to it and I know a lot of people myself included do uh, relate to what you do but it's really Mm -hmm. just you know starts with you yes yeah totally yeah so cathartic um, that's the word I was thinking of cathartic yes that's the word I was thinking of for me my art is very cathartic but and if other people benefit from it then that's that's a plus for me Mm -hmm. yeah I I love that word so it's a good word yeah so a lot of a lot of your um work that you create I've noticed has a theme of spiritual abuse um whether it's leader or like a person with authority to someone beneath them or men to women or um lgbtq people yeah um and i'm just wondering did that come out of well i'm uh, a place of well i'm going to talk about this or did it just come out of the -hmm. place of realizing that that was a thing (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, realizing it's a thing. Like yeah. um, ever since I can remember, I think one of my primary drives in life is to be my authentic self and to be free to be me. Mm-hmm. And I found church was one of the worst places for that to to happen. You know, never mind being encouraged. So uh, I've I've always felt that drive to be myself, to be my unique, authentic, free self and church in my opinion and in my experience and in my observation is one of the worst places for that and um so you know i i grew up in the church basically i i went to bible college i went to seminary i was in the ministry now i believe the church as a system as an organization uh um, oppresses uh, self-expression and authenticity. It's an oppressive environment for us to be free and our authentic selves. And so, you know, when I was in the ministry, I experienced it both ways, where you're a part of a system that discourages self-expression. And so I, as a pastor, would be I was complicit in that sort of systemic uh, oppression of human freedom and authenticity. But as a pastor and as a member of the church, as just a person, I also felt I was oppressed and was encouraged to suppress my my own authentic self. It went both ways. Um, however, I've been in. Uh, I've served other uh, spiritual leaders, pastors, and so on where I've experienced just outright spiritual abuse. Like I've, I've experienced it firsthand and I've seen it firsthand and it's, it's horrible. And so 
uh, I talk about it a lot because I think it is um, prevalent. It's not a rare isolated incident. I think it's prevalent. I think every church that exists, um, the gravitational pull is towards that and has to constantly fight against going that way. Mm. So, yeah, I talk about it because I think it's so prevalent. Just like my one of my number one drives is is to be my authentic self. I think the, one of the number one actions of the church is to oppress that mm. and encourage people to suppress that freedom. Mm. So that's why I talk about spiritual abuse a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think that brings up interesting thoughts to me. That as a system, it gravitates yes. toward that, like. Because it is, you know, an organization. Yes. The pull is towards, you know, trying to be a single group, whatever way possible. Like, if that's silencing, if that's what has to be done, has to be done in a way. Yeah, this, the, uh, every organization, its number one mission is to survive. Mm -hmm. And, if if it means sacrificing human beings for that, it will. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, that's I, I totally believe that of any system, any organization. Mm-hmm. That's that's the gravitational pull, mm-hmm. the pressure to go that way, and 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 we have to fight and be intentional about not going that way. It's mm-hmm. a lot of hard work. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So curious. Yeah. As most of my, you know, again, <laughs> questions. Um, just, um, if you at all think this way, your personal faith practice at this at the moment, like, is there any way that you define it, or is it just it is what it is and well, um, like I, I don't go to church. People ask me if I'm a Christian. I say, well, that, that's my family of origin. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of my artwork, um, I respect my roots, but I don't let them limit me either. Mm-hmm. I also say that I, my home is in Christianity, but I have cottages everywhere. Um, it's, it's like it's in my DNA. It's a part of who I am, but it's, I don't limit myself to that. Mm-hmm. So, so my spiritual practice now is I, I don't go to church. I mean, I have, I've all visited church. I'm not against it. Um, but I, there's a, a church that I might visit once in a while. And although my, my friend who was the pastor there is no longer the pastor there. So we'll have to see about that. <laughs> but um, so for me, it's, it's like meditating, um, enjoying the earth and nature, breathing, uh, feeling at one with all things, be having an open mind, questioning everything, searching, um, being at peace, serenity, loving all things, loving all beings, um, universal love and compassion and justice, mercy, um, and and so for me, that's my my religion is is like the Dalai Lama says, my religion is kindness. So it's, it's, that's a very basic thing to say, but it totally makes sense to me. Mm -hmm. It's just being a, 
you know, at one with the world and being at peace in it and, and, and endeavoring to spread that peace to, to all beings. So that for me is my, my spirituality. And I see everyone, I feel connected to everyone. Doesn't matter who they are, where they are, what they believe or what they think. I'm, we are all connected at a deep and fundamental level. And it's only our thoughts that seem to separate us, but they don't. At a fundamental level, we're, we're united, connected, one. And mm -hmm. I, I really do believe that. And, and, and I live that way. I try to live that way. Mm -hmm. And um, so that's my, that's my spiritual practice. <clears throat> yeah, that's, thank you for, um, yeah. I, I frankly wasn't sure. It's was like, should I? put that yeah. question in there because yeah. um it can be hard to define i i find um that well, it's, because, it's because definitions um often when people are asking you what you believe or whatever they want to know where you line up mm. often because then they know how to talk to you mm -hmm. rather than just talking to you as a, a fellow human being they need to know uh, or they feel they need to know uh, where are they? If they if they believe like I do, then I I feel safe. If they don't believe like I do, then I am either have to convert them or reject them. Mm -hmm. um, and so it, it's very very complicated. I I don't care what other people believe. <laughs> like I I feel no urgency to convert people or reject people. Um, so for, because I feel that, like I said before, that we're we're deeply connected. It's figuring out how to love one another in our diversity. I think that's the challenge that we're facing right now. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. This brings to mind um, in the first uh, episode of this podcast, uh, the friend that I was talking to, this was the idea that he really was talking about that, like seeking out people who don't just look differently but think differently mm -hmm. and that's that's how you grow that's how you you know become mm -hmm. more of all the good things I would say yeah um yeah exactly yeah and another thing that you just mentioned is I know that you referenced a line from one of your cartoons just now about cottages everywhere Yes. Is that, or would you say then in a way that like that questioning and the, that thinking about those ideas is part of then of like this spiritual practice that you employ is like questioning is part of how you like connect yeah. with those things? Yeah. Yeah, it's like the title of one of my books, Questions Are the Answer. Um, we do, For me, questions aren't necessarily tools to get us to an answer. For me, questions are like keys that unlock wisdom. So that we, for me, the opposite of maturity is certainty. Like being absolutely certain about everything. Mm -hmm. It's for me an indication that there's not much wisdom there. It, when we're we become more comfortable with questions and with the mystery that lies before us, and we are curious and we're investigating and researching with an open mind, 
uh, that to me is a sign of deep spiritual maturity. So questions aren't just a, a you know a, a trick or, or just a, a phase or um, a sign of uh, a struggle to get to from point A to point B so that you can become certain again. For me, it's it's opening up the the mind to to you know it's like a a spiritual hallucinogen. Uh, it's 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 safe. But it it opens up your mind um, into you know into exploration, and you need to sort of um, lift the anchor, uh, raise the anchor, and and start floating on that sea of uncertainty, which I think is uh, a sign of great spiritual wisdom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's the more from what I hear you saying, like, the more comfortable you are with doubt and with questions and not knowing, Mm -hmm. then, um, like, that shows, like, great flexibility and maturity and, um, yeah, 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 totally. It's it's kind of like there. I I just uh, finished reading Einstein's uh, biography of Einstein by Isaacson, and mm-hmm. um, in there, well, I, I knew this already, but there there's two different ways scientists um, come to conclusions. And one is they form a conclusion and they go prove it, and another one is they just work in the lab until a conclusion um, mm-hmm. is discovered. Okay. So Einstein, he he would develop a theory and then go try to prove it. And so that's how he came up with the, the whole his whole theory. Um, uh, you know, the uni- unified theory and, and everything. Uh, and I think that is how we need to be spiritually um, is, well, we can do both, obviously. We, we, we accept facts as they come to us. Um, but also that we, I, I believe we're all one and I, 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 and, and that we can love each other as one undivided. And I'm, I'm, I'm just, you know, uh, living that way until it proves itself to me, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So there, there's, there's those different ways of being spiritual. (laughs) And, um, I think it's, um, completely legitimate. It's like, I saw this video not long ago where, Somebody says, uh, she said, I love, I love you. And, and people respond, well, you, you can't love me because you don't know me. And she says, well, you hate me without knowing me. So I can love you without knowing you. It Mm -hmm. goes both ways. So, Mm -hmm. and I think that's just two different postures, two different approaches to life. And of course I, I favor one over the other. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for sure um gosh we are already at the last question here well that's that's okay 45 minutes is good usually for a podcast yeah yeah um and it's gone really quickly because it's been so much fun so thank you for being (laughs) here um so um this podcast is all about the connections and conversations we can have that uh 
can crack through dark of every or things that are around us in so many ways, especially mm-hmm. um, in the world. It seems now. Yeah. Um. Um. Just wondering what for you. What are those things and people? in your life that you feel light through feel that light you can through. feel that that you can feel the light and feel the good mm. and um find the goodness through well I, i'm just everybody like i i you know um i'm not in necessarily impressed by titles or roles or or things like that and i'm seeing all kinds of wisdom in all kinds of places it's amazing to me like i i connect with a lot of people every day and um you know on my instagram and elsewhere where people are engaging with my work and making comments and so on and it's astounding to me just how much love and wisdom and openness and uh you know, wonder there is out there. It, it, it really, really does amaze me. Um, I'm now when it comes to like, say reading and stuff, what I'm finding um, lately is that like, I love reading science, quantum physics. I love reading philosophy. I love reading mystical um, spirituality, including mystical Christianity, like Meister Eckhart or Thomas Merton or other church fathers or um, mothers and so on. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting um, when you when you read those different things, it sounds like they're talking about the same kind of thing. So it's that to me is um, a sign that, you know, we are all experiencing one reality there's only one reality but we all have our own spin on it Mm. and um i'm just seeing that in everything that i'm reading in like the quantum physicists and philosophers and mystics and new age people and everything they're all kind of talking about the same kind of thing in different words different languages to a different audience but it's all basically we're all talking about one reality Mm -hmm. and so that to me is you know, um, really good evidence that um, we are one sharing one reality and that um, it's only thoughts that seem to divide us, but on a fundamental level, they don't. Yes, that's, that is so true. And I just keep coming back to your, to that one illustration. There can be thoughts and, you know, different seemingly different realities and things everywhere but it's all like it's all connected and it's all one yeah the cottages make up of like one thing (laughs) yeah exactly yeah yeah that's right well thank you again for being here again this has been so much fun and i appreciate you taking the time Thank you. Thanks for having me on, my, on your show. It's been yeah, nice of course. With you. Thank you so much for joining me this time on How the Light Gets In. Until next time, please take care of yourselves. And if you can, take care of each other.